Thanks for tuning in to Upward Way Podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved, and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today, he has spent the last 25 years consulting in technology-mediated environments. He is no stranger to higher education and enjoys training, mentoring, lecturing in the areas of virtual learning, computer science, educational technology, and business strategy. Steve Lawrence, welcome to the Upward Way. Thanks for having me, sir. It is my pleasure having you. And I must also add my listeners that Steve is the husband of Lady Francine Gill Lawrence, and he's a father of four children. Importantly, he loves God, ministry, and the study of the Bible. So, Steve, could you just walk us through your journey as to how you came to being a Christian? That's an interesting question. Um, I, I, I've often pondered how I'd respond to it. Um, one of the things that is interesting about becoming a Christian is that you're always becoming a Christian. In, in its truest definition and in its simplest form, it literally means that you look to Christ as a perfect exemplar of how we should live and conduct our affairs. And you spend your life trying to pursue that kind of way of being guided by God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So in my response, um, even though I grew up in a church environment, a Christian family, I can honestly say that my journey with God in terms of a submission to God has been a very recent, if I'm being honest, a very recent um, attempt. Because there's a difference between having parents who are a part of church, you go there because that is what you know, you take part because that is what is expected. But who can truly say that they're in love with God if it's being done involuntarily? And what I've found is in my life journey, because I'm extremely stubborn and I'm very strong-headed and extremely proud and all the other unflattering things that men struggle with, I found out God had to literally put me down to size, put me flat on my back. And that's when I was able to say, God, um, wherever you're going, I'm going to follow you in that direction. I can think back, this would have been oh, 12, end of 012, going 013. So I'm landing in Jamaica from Canada, first day of the year, January 1, 2013. I'm back from Canada after a failed marriage, divorce pending, just a lot of failure and misery. And I'm like, I thought I had an amazing plan. You know, I, I thought I was doing well academically, financially, all of that. And over, it's kind of like the Job experience, over a short period of time, began to see it all unravel. And if you end up having enough to idolize, you stop having the kind of dependence you should have on God. And that was my journey. I, I was very dependent on me, my abilities, my ability to provide for myself, for my family, and that kind of thing. And that honestly separated me from God in a fulsome way. So when God either cut me down to size or the devil went and asked for permission to do it, I ended up on a plane, one black suit, a white shirt, a red tie, and a laptop. That's what I landed with in Jamaica, 1st of January, 2013. As a matter of fact, when I landed, 
I didn't even pay for my ticket because when I left the house, I left my banking cards, everything on the dining table saying I will never set foot back in this place. And when I got to Jamaica, I, I for the first time, I felt a certain peace that only comes when you recognize that you are going to have a chance to start over from scratch. I didn't know what it would look like yet, but I was like, I don't want to build anything like what I had before. Yes, there were there was more finances. There were, there were a lot of things and you know experiences that one might desire as you know enjoyable, but it was not fulfilling. You would feel empty at the end. You'd feel alone, and that was my journey for many many years, regardless of how many people were around me. Fast forward to sometime in February 2013, I just got up one day and said. I wonder if I could be baptized. Having had that happen to me as a child, I was baptized as a child, but that, that wasn't my doing. That was me responding to whatever my friends were responding to. So I called a pastor who I had met, and he had been calling me and trying to have different Bible studies and whatnot. And when I spoke to him about it, he said, you know what? Um, it's interesting you should call. We have a baptism happening tonight um, in the middle of Napen Square, where the old police station would be. I said, okay, I will see you there. Um, called my parents at the time. They lived probably, probably 10, 10, 15 minutes away. My mother was crying, crying, crying. They decided, okay, you're not driving. We're coming to get you. They picked me up and I went there and I got baptized. Now, what made it real for me was I left from the baptism pool to the hospital, which is the strangest thing because what happened was in the, after coming out of the water, going into the changing room, I don't know where the devil found a rusty nail and it ran almost through my foot in the middle of a, it had no, there's no explanation for why a rusty nail was in the middle of a changing room. But that was my experience. And I ended up going to get tetanus shots and all kinds of shots at the hospital. I spent no less than eight, nine hours in the hospital that night. But it was my sign from God that you are protected because you're still alive, but the devil will always be around the corner trying to see how he can lead to your destruction. And the long and short of it is since then, it's been a journey of learning to trust God regardless of what is tossed my way. Learning to trust God through the uncertainties. And the biggest struggle of all, learning to give God control. Because if you have lived independently for a very long time, letting go of the steering wheel and allowing God to take control it's not easy. It's difficult. It's one of the most difficult things. And that has been my journey. But since giving God control, I have seen him rebuild my life. Unlike anything I would have dreamt. I have an amazing wife who is involved in ministry, both in her work in the healthcare sector and also for church. My children are growing. No child is perfect, but we pray for them and we give them to God every day in prayer saying they are yours, grow them protect them because as good as a parent you might think you are, you cannot protect that child from everything. So we have children 12, going 16, um, 19, and 20. So it's a full spectrum, two in university, one on the way to high school, one in high school. It's, a, it's an interesting journey, parenting, but that's another interview. But God has been with me. He has rescued me from so much, and especially from myself. Amen. That is quite a journey. It's quite a journey. It is really interesting. Now, you, you mentioned when you went back to Jamaica, you said the 1st of January 2013, you didn't really know where 
you would go, how things would work out. But you said there was a certain peace that fell over you. What were your fears? Because obviously there must have been some fears. What were your fears as you look toward the future? What were your concerns? I left high school at about 15. I couldn't go to university immediately because in Jamaica, it was not legal to attend until you were 16. So I did a year at college, did a computer course, and then matriculated to University of Technology there after the year 16. And since then, I don't think I truly lived with anyone in a permanent way. I, 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 from that point, started to enjoy a certain amount of independence. Now, when I landed in 2013, I thought about it and I'm like, okay, I have a house that's pretty much finished. Um, I was building at the time. But what sustains me at this point? Because it's not like I was going into a job. I didn't have anything lined up. And that was new for me because my entire life, I had multiple jobs, had enough fiscally to do what I needed to do. I've never really been without. And when I landed, I was like, this might be it where I have to do without. Interestingly, it was the first time I've often seen these infomercials on TV where they were saying, oh, give to help these children who are in need. Your $1 will provide food for this child for a day. And I literally, for the first time in my life, figured out that one US dollar could feed an adult for a day. And it might sound strange, but if you converted, say, seven US dollars for the week, and you converted that at the Jamaica dollar rate, I could go in and I could buy some rice, I could buy some flour, I could buy some canned goods, and I could feed myself for a number of days. So at no point in my life did that seem like a practical thing. But what happened with me being at that point jobless because I had not started to seek employment and not sure what the next move is because when you have lost everything, your plan, you were married, you were all that stuff, and you have lost that, you're like, I'm not sure I'm good at this planning thing anymore. You stop trusting yourself. But that was ultimately required to start trusting God. Wonderful. Trusting God. And that is a point that cannot be overemphasized. Trusting God. And I, I love the analogy you use where one US dollar can feed a family. Yes, sometimes we don't stop to think about these infomercials, but when you are faced up front and center with the situation in your life, you are able to appreciate even more. Now you talk about growing from, let us say, the last seven or eight years. Now, how do you actively pursue your own spiritual growth? I, I missed the question. Go again. How do I actively pursue how do you actively pursue your own spiritual growth? That's an interesting question. Um, pursuing my spiritual growth is really waking up each day, accepting that I'm imperfect, that I have had experiences that were not necessarily God's desire for my life, but I still pursue them. And I have to face the challenges surrounding these um, actions, these decisions, these outcomes. And just recognizing that God is needed in my decisions going forward. So as much as is possible, I try to have these conversations with God about what to do, where to go, how to do it. Because I, I don't trust myself anymore. And I, I clearly began to understand when the Bible said, lean not to your own understanding. Because I know that my decisions have failed me before. My pursuits have failed me before. And I've had to just depend on God and see what he has done in terms of rebuilding and rebranding and just providing. So the biggest thing for me 
is remembering God, his faithfulness, and also just accepting that his promises are true. And that has been my daily rehabilitation and my daily encouragement. No matter how it looks, no matter how it sounds, God is working somewhere in it. And that's what has kept me going. All right. Just to piggyback a little on your story, you, you sp- spoke about being independent, you know, putting your plans in motion and all of that. And at the end, you, you could say it, it all came crashing down. Now, what would have been maybe one of your greatest challenges that you really had to overcome? It could be within the last six, seven years, or it could be within your life itself. What would have been one of the greatest challenges that you had to overcome? And then maybe a little insight as to how you were able to overcome. That's a long list of things, of challenges. I think my primary challenge has been unbelief. There were many times where I could not understand what trusting God meant. If you have not spent a lot of time doing that, it's kind of foreign territory to you. So you you do it when you make a conscious effort, but it's not the fault. And, you know, I, I, I remember much older people in the faith, would, it's as if they live and they breathe God, everything God, God, God. And for me, I found I had to deliberately bring my mind to a place where I would seek, seek God's permission, seek God's input. So my biggest struggle has been a belief in God, one, and giving over control. The dependence piece has been my struggle because it runs completely contrary to my need to feel independent. So that has been one of my biggest struggles. Um, right now, one of my other big struggles is my study life. Outside of study of the word, I've been a part of academic preparation in a particular area for a very long time. And it seems as if every time I go down that road and the degree is in sight, something derails it. And whether it is a challenge with a professor and I'm like, you know what, I don't need this, call it quits. Or whether it's a family challenge and you have to prioritize based on your listing, what your time and resources are. It may even be my mental state. I've been, you know, I struggle with an attention deficit and this has been all my life. So there are times when I no longer get joy from the pursuit, but I'm like, I've come this far. The end is in sight. So right now, one of my biggest struggles is getting to the end of something that is not very far away. But I've just gotten to the point where I'm like, I can't even, I don't even know if I, I have the interest anymore. So when you pray, my brother, pray me through to the finish line because it is insight. But I think I've lost the, the love for it. And I, I think I need some prayer with that one. Well, you can definitely count on me to pray. You know, I have a concept that maybe I created or it was out there. But the, the, the concept is simply this. If you're on your way to a particular destination, as long as you remain on course, then you're going to get to the destination. So it doesn't matter how long it takes, you will get there. So my encouragement would be, you know, just continue along the road, along the, that path. Or another popular thought is that detours may mean delay, but not denial. So definitely I will be praying on that end. Now, what Bible verse or maybe song or even book that you have read or listened to you would say would have had maybe the biggest impact on your life? If, if it has to do with secular text, um, I remember reading a book, a novel, many years ago. I think it was written by a Van Kempen or something to that. It was, considered, it was called Fort Reich. And it was just, it, it was written about the end time. It was painting 
Adolf Hitler into a future end time event. And I read this really young and it, it bothered me for a very long time. So even without having a full concept of a revelation of the Bible, I had this ongoing running dialogue in my mind about what this reality could be like if evil got to the point where it was just beyond control. Um, then the Bible made it clear to me that those atrocities are in the pipeline to come and we must be ready. Whether we're alive, we, you know, if we're alive, we're lucky because we can keep preparing and keep helping others to find Christ. If we go at any time in Christ, then the next time we awaken, we will be um, a part of the, you know, the, the reward of walking across that sea of glass. And that has given me comfort. So the Bible has been a very pivotal book in my life. As academic literature, it's real life. It's not sanitized. It's not pretentious. It is telling you how people lived when they were on and off with their relationship with God. And you can clearly see when a person drifting from God or it affected their lives negatively. And when they entered into you know, contracts with God, when they entered into covenants with God, how it would lead to them claiming his promises. So the Bible has been amazing for me. What I've fallen in love with um, over the last year primarily is Exodus 14, 14. And it's really a text that reminds me that I am not the one that's fighting. Because sometimes you can feel overwhelmed. Sometimes you can feel as if you don't have the resources or the tools or the training. Whatever it is you think your deficit is. But what Exodus 14, 14 does for me, it gives me the perspective that I have a partnership with a force that is way more powerful than anything I could possibly face. And that gives me great comfort. So true. I love that assurance that the Bible indeed has given. Now, what would you say would surprise most persons about Steve Lawrence? There are a number of things. Um, people would be very surprised that I can't sing. Um, most times I talk, people expect me to break out into Barry White. I cannot sing to save my life. My wife, out of the love of her heart, sometimes flatters me about how amazing it sounds. I, I know it don't sound good. What people don't know is that I would stop all of what I'm doing now and go open my cook shop because I literally love food. I love cooking. I love seeing people enjoy food. I would literally do it every single day, even if it's not for sale. I, I'd literally, I have a cousin um, by the name of Chevy Easton who lives in Bermuda here, and she has this gift of culinary delights. And one of my dreams would be if we could have the funding in place where we weren't worrying about retirement and, fi and finances and all that. All we do is get up and cook and feed people, wherever that is. You know, because that is something that is well needed and makes people so happy. And I really enjoy cooking. So that is surprising. People often associate me with computers and curriculum and research, not knowing that ultimately I would just be happy cooking along the side of the road. You know, I, I had in mind to ask you if there is maybe a ministry that God is calling you to. And maybe you have answered inadvertently, maybe without, without even thinking about it, that could really be what God is calling you to do, to actually start maybe some hot meals. And who knows, there might be other persons who have the same agenda. So it's only a matter of time. If you could thank the Lord for one person, why there could be more than one person that you have met along your journey, who would it be or who would be those persons? And maybe why? Interestingly, I'm going to answer this question in two ways. I'm thankful for all the people who have prayed for me throughout my life because 
But I recognize from the reading of the Bible is that almost half the miracles that have taken place, people have had to intervene on behalf of others. People were not in a position to help themselves. So whether it's been my mother, my teachers, my friends, my relatives, whoever have been, has been praying for me, I am thankful to have had them in my life. If I was going to name names, um, I'd be very grateful to my wife, um, Francine. She has been amazing in my health journey, my spiritual journey, and just helping me to understand that love can be reciprocal. That has helped me heal from a lot of pain and other challenges that I've faced in my past. I do recognize that there are some amazing people that God has placed in my academic life. I have a doctor, Nanibala Paul, at NCU that has just kind of rescued me from some very challenging situations where I was just like, I'm done. And she has always kept saying to me, prayer changes things. And I, Dr. Marilyn Anderson, musician extraordinaire, just amazing, encouraging, always praying, always believing, always upbeat. No matter how difficult it was when I worked with her, whether she was the vice president of academic administration or the acting president, whatever different role she was filling, she was always just pouring into lives. And that made me understand that, you know, it's a big role of the Christian journey to just find others to pour into. So those are some of the people that have impacted me in ways that are, you know, immeasurable. Their prayers, their support, their love has been amazing. I'm really happy that you mentioned some of those persons who have poured into your life, who have been encouraging, because there are times when we look at persons who appear strong. You know, you are obviously a very talented person and you would have had your life mapped out in so many different ways. But even with all of that planning and with all of that talent, sometimes we really need a shoulder to lean on. So what advice would you give to some persons would look at maybe a university professor, a pastor, or someone in leadership and say, oh, this person doesn't need my prayer. This person doesn't need my encouragement. What would you say to this individual? One of the things, um, I'll give the same advice that um, Dr. Paul has always given me. Prayer changes things. And when you look at, for example, a story like a story of Job. Job was going along. He had a perfect life. Everything seemed fine. He was doing very well. He had everything that you think an adult should have. He had resources, family, whatnot. However, the devil got permission to test his love of God. And we should never underestimate what access or what test a person is going through at different points. You know, many people have lost um, relatives during this pandemic. Different things have occurred in family lives that have caused so much chaos and pain. And people are going through it and just holding it together as best as they can. So my thing is, anybody who you have an opportunity to pray for, make the effort and pray. That's my thought. Just make the effort and pray because it is, it is always needed. It can never be too much. And prayer changes things. All right. You also shared earlier about the fact that though you are in, let us say, information technology, the field of information science, that it's not your only love. What profession apart from your own, would you say, I would love to explore sometime in the future? I know you shared a little earlier about you know, cooking. Well, um, to be honest, if, if I think about it, even from very early, I, I love the study of people. So I am a person who will sit and I will study my environment and it's almost a profiling of everybody that's around me. So I think if I, if I were living my life again, 
I'd have ended up being a clinical psychologist of sorts. I, I really love the help that can be afforded to those who subscribe to that kind of support. You know, because mental health is not painful for the person who is going through it, but they can really use some help. And I really would love to spend some time just being a part of that support network for those who need the help. I've seen children, parents struggle with children with addictions and drug abuse. And I think I'd also like to be a part of public counseling and support, whether it's for the, the kids or even the parents dealing with these, uh, the fallout of these lifestyle choices of their, their children. So I see if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, I'd probably be working as some kind of counselor of sorts because I think there's value in that and it can really help lives to be more optimal. My final question to you today is this one. What would be your advice to someone who might be struggling with the whole concept of God or they're struggling with their own you know, relationship with God? What, would, what advice would you give them as a means of encouraging them along the faith? Human beings love stories. Um, that is why novels are sold. That is why newspapers are sold. That is why people read others' timeline, people on Facebook and whatnot. People read way more than you think. People claim that, you know, some, some research will say that reading has fallen. The truth is people are absorbing a whole lot more just from multiple sources and not all of it academic. Spend time reading the Bible if you are inclined to it because it will show you people living their real lives and the things that God does when they submit to him. If they're struggling with lifestyle or habits or any challenge, challenge God to change you and submit to him and see if he does it. Because I can almost guarantee you, you cannot spend time with God and remain the same. You're always transformed by him. If a person struggles with the belief of God, most of the time it's because they're looking at other human beings. Because we're a very poor marketing campaign for God. Human beings mess up so many times that if human beings are looking to other human beings, for example, they're going to be very depressed and very disappointed. My advice would be, look to God. Look to the perfect example. Look at how Christ walked, how kind he was, how open he was to the sharing with others, how he involved himself in just the everyday life of others. So spend time with God. Spend time learning about God. Focus less on others. Because humans are flawed, they're broken, and they will cause hurt and pain and disappointment. But God, if you partner with God, there are always good outcomes from that partnership. So that would be my few pearls. And one of the things I got from you today, which is detours may mean delay, but not denial. So let them keep that in their pocket as well. Some things may be detouring them. It might be sending them left or right. But if they focus on the fact that God has promised to provide and to guide, can to submit to him and he will take us to the destination which he intends for us to be at. Quite a mouthful of gems. I, I must say thanks for taking the time out to share with us your story today. But just before you go, do you have any final parting words for our listeners? Well, my final words would be trust God. If you go through the entire Bible, even if you were to track the Bible and tie it to um, historical manuscripts that have existed at the same time as you know, God or Christ was walking and his disciples, you realize that God has been faithful. You'll realize that no matter how dark it has always seemed at some point in human history, whenever people partnered with God, it made a big difference and the outcome was more desirable than the darkness that it seemed was enveloping the world. So 
my takeaway would be partner with God and see where he takes you because he made every one of us for a particular purpose. So let's partner with God and figure out where he wants to take us and how he wants to use us. And the final thing would be walk in such a way in all that you do and say and all your actions and interactions that if people were to follow in your footsteps, they'll find themselves closer to God. Thanks for tuning in to The Upward Way. My guest today has been Steve Lawrence. He has spent the last 25 years consulting in technology-mediated environments. He is no stranger to higher education and enjoys training, mentoring, lecturing in the areas of virtual learning, computer science, educational technology, and business strategy. Do join us next week as we will share with you the story of another interesting guest. You've been listening to the Upward Way podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world. 